welcome to Families for Life, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're continuing the Discipleship Series Part 2. Welcome back, listeners. Hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are. Whatever day, whatever time, whatever period you're listening to this, I hope you're having a wonderful day. It is a beautiful day when I'm recording and uh, had some really great weather. I'm just loving this. I love this 70s, low 80s, sunny weather that we're having and wish it would stay like this forever, but I know that's not going to happen and we have to have the dreary rainy days so we can appreciate the really nice days when they come around. So hopefully you can get outside if, if you're in an area where the weather's nice. But today we're going to continue our discipleship series. And just a reminder, if you're listening to us, make sure to subscribe, like the podcast, give us a referral, a review, whatever you can do. Let your friends know. <clears throat> and uh, if you have any feedback, you can send it to the email in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from all of our listeners whenever they want to have whenever they have feedback or they have show ideas for the future, anything like that that you want to hear from the Families for Life podcast. <clears throat> well, we're con- like I said, we're continuing our series on discipleship, and we're using a resource by Robbie Gallaty called Growing Up, and this is a really great resource. It's it's basic, but it's but uh, it's challenging. You know, you ever had something that has sort of basic truths, but wow, I mean, it's challenging. You you hear it and you're like, that's something that I know, but I need to have repeated to me. And so we're talking about discipleship. We're trying to get into the mode of <clears throat> the what we're trying to do as Christians, as disciples, to make disciples. And so that's our calling. If you've never been discipled before, then use this podcast as an opportunity. Of course, it's not ideal. Discipleship should be driven in by relationship, and uh, you should hopefully get to meet with people. But if you've never been discipled, use this as an opportunity, as a substitution, and then go make disciples out of that. But we are uh, looking at what it means to be a disciple and really surrounding the culture of discipleship in churches and in the lives of Christians. And I think there's a lot of confusion. You know, J. Dwight Pentecost says, the subject of discipleship is frequently discussed today. Men are called to become disciples without any definition of the concept and without any clarification of the requirements the Lord makes of those who are his disciples. Hence, no intelligent decision can be made concerning this important question. As we think about this uh, issue of discipleship, oftentimes there is a lot of confusion around what it means to be a disciple, what is called discipleship. And we have a, a big problem in our lives and, and in the church. We call people to uh, come to know Christ, to receive the gospel, and then we say, come to church, read your Bible, pray, and there's really no kind of walking people through this process of what it means to be a disciple. They're supposed to just kind of pick it up on their own, and it's it's not always intuitive, 
And I don't think that's it's supposed to be that way. I think you're, the idea is you're supposed to have somebody that help you walk through this process. In fact, as you look at the way that Jesus spent his time doing ministry, a large portion of that was this relational discipleship uh, um, you know, way. When he had his 12 disciples, he spent the majority of his time with them in his uh, ministry. Now, of course, he was around tons of people, and he had um, this uh, ministry that spanned, and there would be people coming in, coming out, um, listening, all kind of all swirling around, but he focused on 12. And in fact, when he left and ascended, the, there was a, a smaller group of Christians, about 120, that were faithful, that were still there after the resurrection, before the church blew up on the day of Pentecost. There was a small group of people. So as you look at the ministry of Jesus, you would say, uh, do you think that he had success in ministry? Well, if we're measuring it by today's church success, church standards, then probably no, because he didn't have a big building. He didn't have a large attendance. He didn't have a big budget. You know, he focused on discipleship. He focused on the things that really matter to the Lord. The number that he was counting was disciples, was how many people had their lives transformed that could then go and make disciples. And the Great Commission that he gave us is our memory verse from last week, Matthew 28, uh, where he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you <clears throat> look at this verse, if you look at this, and then he goes, oh, he goes on, I'm sorry, to say, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Um, but if you look at this, the things he's breaking down uh, in this in this thing is to go and make disciples. Obviously, to go is this missional aspect. So, a lot of people think discipleship is divorced from evangelism. We can either have evangelism or discipleship, or we, you know, it's a process. You evangelize, then you disciple. What if it's all part of the same process? What if it's all the same? What if discipleship is evangelism and evangelism is discipleship? What if they are synonymous for coming to Christ, learning to grow, learning to become a believer? In Christ. So there is this missional aspect that we are to go. We are to share the gospel. People cannot know Jesus without hearing the gospel. And so that is important. Then he says they're to be baptized. As part of a disciple, the first step of the disciple is to be baptized. That's so important. That's 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 the first step in their journey. A lot of people though see that as the end result. Hey, I got baptized. And they look back on that baptism. They haven't lived their lives for Christ. They're not living as a true disciple, but they look back and say, well, I was baptized at this church so-and-so. I walked the aisle, and brother so-and-so, I prayed with brother so-and-so. I prayed with pastor so-and-so, and I'm a Christian. Well, the fruit of our life must prove that out. And so baptism, we don't look at as a um, as the end of, of our Christian journey, but that's really the beginning. That's the first step of obedience to Christ. But then he says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And there's this aspect that believers are to learn 
but not just to learn, but to put that learning into practice. There's the idea of obedience. So we don't just sit and learn so we can just sit and soak and, and you know, have all of these things just kind of, you know, brewing in us. We're, we're, we're to, we're to have those things learned so that we can apply them to our lives. This is so important. I think so many of us miss this because we, many people, many Christians love learning and they love to go to Bible studies and they love to do their devotions and they love to do things, but they're not living it out in their lives. They'd rather go to a Bible study, but not have their life be changed in a deep relationship with the Lord. There is a difference there. And so disciple making becomes this this uh, a, a, a different thing than what we're a lot of times doing in the church or in our lives, and it should come out of this great commission. So a good definition would be intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. So did you get that? Let me read that again. Intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God, through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. So as you look at your life, are you living that out? Are you living out the, the being a disciple in your own life first, but then are you living out the Great Commission? Are you looking at your relationships in your life, especially your Christian relationships, and seeking to Use them in a discipleship-oriented way where you're intentionally equipping believers, making disciples. That's so important that we, we do that. Are we looking at our friends that are our family that are not believers and seeking to share with them the faith, share with them the gospel so that they can become a disciple as well? I think it's so important that we look and we think about what it means to be a disciple the idea of being a disciple is mentioned over 269 times in the Bible, whereas Christian is only mentioned three times. Now, we use the word Christian, and I use the word Christian, but to be honest, that word has been so diluted because there are many denominations, in fact, many faiths, many other um, religions. We think about uh, Protestantism and Catholicism, And uh, we think about different people that call themselves Christians. So that term, while we can use it, we have to sort of define what we're talking about. Disciple becomes more tuned in where you are a disciple or you are a follower of Christ, seeking to live your life out to be a learner and grower and obeyer of Christ in your lives. So one of the great concepts you can think about when you're thinking about discipleship is, you know, many jobs have a apprentice style, either a training or an apprenticeship, internship, something where you're learning and growing. You think about the idea of being a doctor, and they have a very long, because they're they're dealing with the human body and they're dealing with people's lives, so they have a very long process, but they go through and do internships and residencies, and they do different things where they are being observed and being monitored and being watched before they're just 
cut loose to be the main guy, to be the main uh, person that's that's doing surgery or making decisions for patients. So there's a very long process that they have to go through. And <clears throat> that doesn't mean that they're not practicing. They're not doing things. They're not, they're not, um, but, but they're, but they're having somebody that they're accountable to that's helping them. This is kind of what the discipleship relationship is. So this person is not just waiting on the sidelines saying, I can't do anything for Jesus until I get discipled. No, they're, they're doing it. They're living, they're serving, they're investing in others, but they have somebody that is there helping them, keeping them accountable as they're walking through that process. I think that's so important. The idea that we have to, you know, keep people on the bench until we sign off on them and say that they're ready is ridiculous. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And it, in all, uh, you know, by all of our standards, we would have thought, well, these people are really ill-equipped to do what Jesus is calling them to do. But he knew that they needed to go out. He knew that they needed to go learn and have this firsthand experience of doing ministry. So he knew exactly what he was doing there. And so we need to uh, be in these relationships where we are helping people to grow almost like, like an apprentice or like somebody who's doing the work, but you're helping them. That's what discipleship is. So as we think about you know, we've thought about personally a little bit. Let's think about the church's role and responsibility in discipleship. You know, many times we view discipleship as an activity that we do. We think we've got these segments like we have worship and we have discipleship and we have Bible study and we, you know, we have all these different kind of programs or things. Should discipleship be a, a program? Or should it be our driving factor that is kind of overarching all of our programming, all of the things that we do at church? And I think all of the all of what church should do should be discipleship, whether it's worship, whether it's serving, whether it's teaching. It should all feed into the idea that we are trying to make disciples. You know, many churches have mission statements. You know, we have one at our church. We want people to behold. We want them to become Want them, or sorry, we want them to behold, uh, and that's to behold the word, behold God in worship. We want them to belong to the body of believers um, by getting involved in life groups. We want them to become a disciple by entering into these discipleship relationships, and we want them to go beyond in service and evangelism and missions. And so all of these things, though, revolve around this idea that, that these are all components of what it means to be a disciple. A disciple needs to be in worship. They need to be excited about that. They need to be in community with other believers. They need to have a D group where they're making disciples. They're, they're engaging in that. And they need to be serving in mission and having a missional mindset. <clears throat> and so many churches are, are like this, but we have to make sure that our mission statement really lines up with what we're doing and how we're, we're living that out. As I mentioned earlier, we have to make sure our metrics for what we're doing in church is revolving around discipleship as well. You know, a lot of times in churches, we measure the size of our attendance, uh, what, what properties, facilities we have, the size of our budget. Those things are important. I don't want to sit here and say that, that we should not count those things or not watch those things because they are important. You know, every 
attendance number is a person and those that those people matter. We have business things that the church has to attend to. So you have to have budgets and you have to know where your money's going and how all that's spent. But is that how we measure our success? We have to do those things, but is our success measured on those things? Do we feel good about our church if those things are, are, are well? Or what about if are we making disciples? What if that is our metric? How many people have gone through or, or are in a intentional discipleship relationship? Remember, Jesus, as he walked through, had a small group of believers. And that small group of believers, after he resurrected and went and ascended to heaven, that small group of leaders prayed and God sent the Holy Spirit. And there was an explosion. And those people began to disciple others. And then on and on and on throughout history, if you look, every believer has, but most every believer, I would say, that is a strong believer that's living for the Lord, that's that's living out their faith, has had someone in their life that has poured into them, someone that has discipled them, someone that has helped them to grow. And so I think we cannot discount that and look at that and say, okay, now we're going to change things. We're going to change the church culture and do things differently. I think we need to go back to the way that Jesus did it. And, you know, as we look at the the scriptures, we know that Paul encouraged Timothy. He said, you then, in, in, first, in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, he said, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So Paul's investing in Timothy. Timothy's investing in these other men. And these other men are, are uh, expected to go and invest in others. This is the idea of discipleship. We create a discipleship legacy. Have you ever thought about that? You know, when you when you have a family tree, look back and you have your grandparents and your and your great grandparents and your great great grandparents, and you look back through your history. If you're a a, a ancestry buff, you know, and you've gone and you've looked back and you've traced your lineage and you know where your origins are. That's so cool, isn't it? I mean, you can see where you've come from, and all the things and the, the you know what must they have experienced. You know, one of my ancestors uh, was traced back to the Revolutionary War, and I'm thinking, wow, what an amazing opportunity to look at, uh, you know, then think about that person's life and what they must have gone through. And somehow they were able to survive and have children and they had children and they had children on down the line until now, here I am, I exist. And so I think that's quite amazing. Well, think about that concept in terms of Christianity, in terms of discipleship. What kind of discipleship legacy are you leaving? Somebody has invested in you, possibly, whether they shared the gospel with you and you got saved, whether somebody sat down and shared with you and, and, and discipled you and walked through the faith. And then now you have the opportunity to branch out and make disciples. And those people have an opportunity to make disciples. And those people have an opportunity to make disciples. That becomes your discipleship legacy. I think that's so important that we that we look at that and understand that that we that's how we make a difference in the kingdom of God. 
You know, it's not that we all get an opportunity to stand up on a stage and preach to millions of people and share the gospel, but everyone, everyone can look around in their lives and share the gospel with the people in their lives. Everyone can look at their family and friends and neighbors and seek to share and disciple them. Everyone, everyone is a discipler. The expectation is that everyone becomes a discipler, not just that uh, the pastors, you know, that's that's sort of the myth that that the pastors have to be the one to share the gospel. The pastors have to be the one to do the discipleship. They're the professionals. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're to teach and to to pray and to organize and do the do the things that we need to, but the idea is that we're to equip. And some of that is to our fault. I'm, talk, I'm talking to pastors because we somehow, um, you know, take take a sense of pride in the fact that people come to us for our, our knowledge and how, how much we know. And they don't know as much as we do, so they come to us. And we, we are the ones that are the professionals. There are some pastors that are like that. And they keep people. They keep people from learning and becoming these disciples that disciple others. And so that that's terrible. And I think we do a great disservice to the church when we do that. There are other people that just feel inadequate. And they say, just, just regular church people, lay people, they say, I'm inadequate to do this. Well, just remember, Jesus sent his disciples out when they were probably half trained and sent them out to do the work of the ministry and brought them back and taught them and continued to work with them and then sent them out. I mean, this is this is the ministry of Jesus and what he did. So as we look at this, these myths, there is the, uh, the, the myth that we, that, that, that pastors, the professionals do the work. And that is a, that is a myth. There is a myth that says I have to be a, a certain level or be a uh, at a certain maturity level or or a ministry level. I'm not prepared enough. I'm not mature enough. I can be ready to serve after I do X, Y, Z, after I go to uh, do these Bible studies or these Bible courses or this, maybe even go to seminary. I'll be ready at that point. And I think that is a, a huge myth that that is in churches today. We've got to get past that and know that Listen, the simple truth is we can read God's word, we can study it, we can know it, but as we live it out, that is going to be what what's going to teach us. The Holy Spirit is going to interact with the word and help us as we live that out. That's what we need to be teaching people. We don't necessarily have to get into the the ins and outs of teaching people the 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 the, the hermeneutics and the and the uh you know the all the all the bible study things the the greek words and the hebrew words and all the things that we learn at seminary right that is where the preachers and the teachers come in to help do some of those things and they form curriculum and they preach sermons and they teach bible studies that is the important role there i'm not not discounting that at all but as we're thinking about making disciples what you're doing is taking the simple truths that jesus said and you're saying hey this is real. This is practical to your life. One of the things that I'm seeking to do currently is to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. And as I read that and I memorize that and I meditate on that, boy, it is just full of, of simple truths, things that are not hard to grasp, but they are difficult to obey and live out. 
And that's the thing that we need to encourage people to do, to look at the simple truths that Jesus teaches us and say, hey, this is what you need to live out. This is what you need to obey. That is discipleship. And anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. You know, you don't have to be arrived as a Christian. In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll never arrive. But I love the, the principle. I heard this. If you can just be one day ahead, the person that you're discipling, just one day ahead of them in maturity, in, in discipleship. Uh, now, obviously, uh, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But the idea is you don't have to be really far down the road. You yourself can take God's word, be, seek to live it out in your life, right? And then you can help others to do the same. You can help others to do the same. So I think that's really important that we think about we, every one of us, every one of us can be a disciplers. You know, we look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. He says, he and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all obtain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what our, this is what we are seeking to do in church, and this is what we're seeking to do in our body is to make disciples, to teach people, to grow in their faith and to teach people to, uh, to, to, to become these, these people that are going to disciple. We're equipping you so that you can make disciples. One of the ways that you can look at this that I, I love is looking at the types of relationships that you have. And a great example is you have the Paul the Barnabas, and the Timothy relationship. So a Paul in your life will be an older, wiser believer from whom you can learn. Somebody who is there. Now, you, you, they, may not, they may have discipled you in the past, and you may or may not be in a formal discipleship relationship with them, but it's somebody you can go to and talk to, and they can mentor you and help you. What you know, Maybe it's periodically as things come up, but someone who just knows you and is praying for you. A Barnabas is a friend who teaches and encourages and holds you accountable. So everyone needs an, a, Bar, a Barnabas that is there walking beside us. I love the fact that Barnabas was the one who brought Paul into the um, to meet the apostles. If Barnabas wasn't there and filled by the Spirit, that everyone remember everyone was afraid of Paul because they thought, well, maybe Paul is trying to trick us. You know, maybe he didn't have a true conversion, but he's just saying he's converted because he wants to he wants to sneak in and spy on us and find out all our secrets. But Barnabas knows that there has been a life transformation in Paul. He's not the same guy he was when he was Saul of Tarsus. He is different. He's been transformed by the gospel. And so he puts his arm around Paul and brings them he brings him in to meet the apostles and assures them. That, that Paul is changed and transformed. This is the kind of friend that we need, the kind that encourages us, that helps us as we walk through life. And then we need a Timothy. This is a younger believer or someone who's young in the faith in whom you are investing. So think about this. If you, who is the Paul in your life? 
who is the Barnabas in your life? And do you have a Timothy, someone that you're investing in? And it doesn't have to be one person. There can be multiple people in each of these roles. But they are so important that we have these types of relationships in our lives. They will continue to help us to grow and be discipled as we go on. You know, as we think about Jesus and we think about his life, he was here for a very short period of time, for three years, for three years. And he chose to invest the majority of his time in 12 men that were not the most accomplished. And, you know, it wasn't like Pharisees that had gone to uh, the schools and the, and the religious teaching and all that. He chose 12 simple people that were living their lives, many of them fishermen or, or other roles and uh, in society, and, and he chose them and used them, and they did great things for him. I think this is an encouragement to us. But let me ask you a question. What if you had just three years left to live? And in those three years, you'd been tasked with making a great impact for the kingdom of God. What would you do? Where would you start? Could you do anything better than what Jesus did by really investing your life in a smaller group of people that would then go and multiply and make a difference for others? You know, all the work that we do in ministry, all the things, all the programs, all the events, Someday those things will be forgotten. But the thing that will carry on is the life change that has happened in people's lives. The gospel legacy through discipleship will continue on for many, many generations. So I want to encourage us. We don't need to be confused about discipleship. Discipleship is this intentional relationship that you are seeking to have somebody to equip them with the word of God so that they can go and make disciples. Are you a disciple that is making disciples? Your memory verse for this week is 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. Again, that's the verse that is encouraging us to build a gospel legacy where Paul says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from men in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I just want to encourage you with this word today. Be a disciple maker. Be a disciple who's going to make disciples. Now, next week, if you're saying, okay, we, we've talked a lot about the, the, the definitions and the theory about discipleship and the organization, but, but let's get to the nuts and bolts. If you're anything like me, I always want to get to the nuts and bolts. I want to get to the practical stuff. How do I do this? How do I get into a D group and make a D group and make it a successful one. Well, we're going to talk about that next week and we're going to talk about what is a D group and how you make that a, 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 a successful thing where you can make disciples and, uh, and use it for the glory of God. So I hope you'll come and join us next week as we continue on in this discipleship series. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.